episode 156 of section 138 i'm your host mark Colley. as always joined by bryson and jacob and i mean this series we got all that we bargained for and more had some fireworks at the end there definitely a lot to talk about in today's episode but how are you bryson yeah i'm doing okay mark um you know tropicana field the house of horrors the jays take one out of three i guess that's the worst case scenario you can take it from and good news is we're currently recording um, the Texas Rangers are beating the Yankees, so hopefully that stays in peace so the Jays don't lose any ground in the second wildcard spot, but hey, we know the Rays are a tough team, we know Tropicana Field, I think we'll take one out of three, and uh, the road trip continues past today, so this weekend they're in Minnesota, but we're here to talk about the events of today especially, and of course this entire series. Yeah, and I mean, if you take the two series that the Blue Jays have had against the Tampa Bay Rays over the last week, you take them in whole, they split it three and three. I'm happy with that. They are a very good team. If the Blue Jays hold their own against one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball, and then they beat up this following week on Minnesota, on the Yankees, and on Baltimore, you're in a good place if you're the Blue Jays. But how are you, Jacob? Mm -hmm. I'll just echo what you said. The Blue Jays, you know, it's not the greatest situation. I think the the Tampa Bay Rays might have had a bit uh, up their sleeves in terms of knowing what was coming to them, but... uh, not a good series, but you know what? Things go on from here. Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, they're all still very close. And, you know, if eventually I think they were going to lose a series. Obviously, you don't want that. But I feel like going into the rest of the season, 13 games left, I think just under two weeks, it's going to be or t- 10 games left or nine games left, whatever it is. But there's still time. Blue Jays still have a playoff spot. And I think it can only get better from here as you now have much of a a much easier schedule once you leave the uh, the House of Horrors. Yeah, this was a series to lose if you were going to lose any series. It was this one and the Blue Jays did, which I'm all right with. Um, okay, let's get to the topic that everyone's talking about. And I want to, there is so much to unpack in this situation. So I really want to go step by step. We're going to go pretty much game by game, situation by situation. Let's start off with the first day of, I guess, what we're calling card gate. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer slides into home. He dislodges a piece of paper from Alejandro Kirk. I don't know if it was in his pocket, if it was on his wristband. He dislodges this piece of paper that, as we all know, has the plans for the Blue Jays to approach Tampa Bay hitters. It's what Alejandro Kirk would base his game calling off of. It's how the Blue Jays want to pitch to all the Tampa Bay hitters. Kevin Kiermeyer looks at this piece of paper lying on the ground. He stares at it for a second and he picks it up and walks away towards the Tampa Bay dugout. Um, the Blue Jays, I don't know if it was an inning later or a couple minutes later, they realize that this piece of paper is missing. They send a bat boy over to the Tampa Bay dugout to ask for it. And basically they get laughed at. Tampa Bay scoffs at them. They say, no, we're not giving it back. And that's where we find ourselves at the end of the first day. Eventually, on day two of this series, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Rays give the piece of paper back to the Blue Jays. Um, 
it looks like everything is hunky-dory. Everyone's happy with how things are going. Um, as Charlie Montoyo said, it's Agua under the bridge. Everyone's happy. Nothing's going to get stirred up. No theatrics. And then day three happens. Game three of this series happens. And we head into the eighth inning. The Blue Jays are down 7-1. to one, And Ryan Barucki hits Kevin Kiermaier with the pitch square on the back right between the numbers, which is exactly where you're going to do it if it's an intentional hit by pitch. And things kind of explode from there. Um, the bench is clear. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier comes at Ryan Barucki. Ryan Barucki is eventually tossed. Pete Walker is eventually tossed. And Pete Walker is livid, probably not just about that, but about the strike zone in this whole series, which was kind of a disaster. But um, taken in whole, it was a lot of excitement for a three-game set. And after this, you just got to be looking forward to a potential American League Division Series against the Rays. That would be a whole lot of excitement packed into three, four, or five games. Um, but like I said, let's go step-by-step. Step. Let's start at the first day. Um, should Kevin Kiermeyer have picked up that piece of paper or not? That's like the big question at the center of this. Should he have just, you know, given it back to Alondra Kirk? Did it belong to the Blue Jays? Is it like what John Heyman tweeted that if you drop a $100 bill on the sidewalk, you can't just pick it up and walk away with it if you're someone else? You got to try to give it back to the person. Is it that type of situation or is it finders keepers? You got this golden grail essentially in front of you that tells you the exact game plan for the entirety of the series against the Blue Jays that could secure you the series win or sweep finders keepers. So where do you guys stand on that? Is it finders keepers or you got to return what is rightfully owed to the Blue Jays? I don't know if people are going to agree or disagree with what I have to say, but I, even as a Blue Jay fan, agree with Kevin Kiermeyer taking the paper. Now, here's the thing. It, say the Blue Jays did this. Any player runs into a raised catcher or whoever has paper, whatever it is, if a Blue Jay does that, I think as fans, we're laughing and saying, ha, oh, that's pretty funny. Sucks on you guys. You lost your paper. It's it's very unfortunate when it happens to your team and you obviously don't want it to, to happen, especially that is valuable information. Clearly, the Blue Jays wanted it back for a reason It and they ended up losing the series. And I'm not saying that that would have been the difference maker but it you know it it still could have been especially in a game like baseball where analytics are pretty much ingrained into every aspect of it but the thing that's I don't agree with and I'm saying this as a Blue Jay fan is the retaliation in game three now Kevin Kiermeyer came out and whoa, said whoa 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 let's let's hold our horses let's go step by step yeah. here no no still let's with... stick to game one here I don't let let's hold the retaliation retaliation conversation for later Okay, no, but so in game one, Kevin Kiermeyer said that he didn't know whose it was. He just saw a piece of paper. He picked it up and brought it in the dugout. I don't know if I believe that, but probably don't believe it. I'm, I'm sure he, he, if you see the replay, you can see that he looked at it. His eyes widened a little bit and he almost like tried to cradle it as if he was trying to sneak something past someone. It. I mean, honestly, it is what it is. It's not a good situation, but if I'm a Blue Jay fan... I would say do that if a Blue Jay had the opportunity to take that. And I think the the, the more interesting part about this is, is there's no rule saying you can't do that. There's nothing saying that the team's paper fell on the field or there was a collision and you can't do it. And that's the thing. Like, I know people are going to disagree with that. But at the same time, what are you really going to do? The umpire can't say give it back. So it's just, it's one of those things where I guess now we'll see guys be a lot more careful with it. And if you're... 
you know, if you're, if you're the Blue Jays, you definitely can be angry. And I was angry, but it was one of those angries where I was like, there's really not much that you can do other than just try and beat this team on the field. But in terms of retaliation, I'll leave it at that. We'll eventually get to that. I know people are, you know, I'll get, we'll get to that. I I don't want to stir the pot too much, but in terms of the, the first game and the stealing of the paper, as a as a fan of just sports in general, I kind of understand the move, and I understand not wanting to give it back initially. I'm telling you right now, if that was let if that was me, knowing me, everyone's different. This is why this makes this entire situation or card gate or scandal, whatever you want to call it, it's why it makes it kind of unique in a way because everyone has different opinions on this. If this was me, knowing that you know there's a game going on, there's dugouts, there's cameras on you, you know people are watching you. You're pretty much out in the open. There's no way I'm doing it in front of that many people because I just I find it. Um, it here's the thing too, where it, I kind of separate myself from others because I know most people or most fans, not really reporters. Most reporters aren't really on the J side of this, but most fans um, are against Kevin Kiermaier, and this is where I kind of differ, um, separate myself. Is I'm not as disappointed with the information they took. I'm still disappointed with that he still took the the card. Like he took it knowing that or looking back at the Jays dugout twice. He looks back uh, at the dugout twice. He says after the game flat out lies to the media that he didn't know what it was. And then the video when he goes back into the dugout, when he's it looks like he's tipping off somebody giving the card to the Rays. I don't even know if it was bench coach or some or hitting coach or whatever. It's just to me uh, to put it as clean as possible, I think it's a scumbag move to do that. I really do think so, and that's the problem I had with it. I had a ma- massive issue with it. The Jays have pitched against the Rays this year relatively well in terms of started um, starting pitching, and all of a sudden, you know, I, and it, here's the other thing too. You know, people are saying Alejandro Kirk should have protected um, protected the paper better. I don't know how you protect it better in a baseball play when you're taking somebody out at home plate when there's a piece of paper on your wristband and it falls out. It was a complete fluke of how it fell out, and that's pretty much where it starts. It is, in my opinion, it's a it's a fluke. I don't know what else Alejandro Kirk could have done rather than wrap tape completely around his wristband, which is useless. The paper falls out, and Kevin Kiermaier knows what it is without hesitation. There is not one person that can tell me that he had no idea what it was for even a split second. He knew exactly what he was doing. He takes it. And I do have a problem with him taking it. Absolutely, I do. And I know, again, if it was me, there's no way I'm doing it in front of the cameras like that. Now, if it's behind the scenes or closed doors, none of us would even know if it would happen or not. So that's the issue I have. I didn't even realize it at the time. I think it kind of circulated the video like the next day prior to game two. And then I kind of we kind of all got the details about the Jays trying to get the, the paperback and everything else. And then that's the other thing. The Jays tried addressing it by getting it back. And the Rangers, as you described it, Mark, they scoffed at it. Like, they, they laughed them off. Like, yeah, I do have a problem with that. And absolutely, I do have a problem with that, um, taking the actual card. And again, it's. I think a lot of people were kind of comparing, like, pretty much the card or the game plan on a catcher's wrist to, like, a cheat sheet. Kind of like if you're heading into an exam and you have a cheat sheet with some answers on it. Not everything, because, of course, not the entire game plan was leaked. Let's just make that clear is that the entire game plan the Jays had on the Rays was not revealed or exposed. However, some details were there, and that's why I'm more mad at the fact that he knew what it was, because everyone knows what it was, and it's all around baseball. He knew what it was, and he took it 
looking back at the dugout twice, tipping off it well, by the looks of it, uh, whoever it was he gave it to it in the raised dugout, and then completely lying to the media, even though we expected him to lie, but still saying it that he didn't know what it was. To me, that is complete BS, and yeah, I, I have a, I had a huge issue with him taking it on after game one. Wow. Um, I gotta say, I agree with Jacob. I think, like, obviously we saw with, I'm gonna bring it up, with the Houston Astros, like, there are obvious parameters around stealing information from other teams. You can't use something off the field. You can't do what the Red Sox and Yankees did with Apple Watches. You can't use a camera and a monitor and a trash bin to transmit signs. But when it comes to doing things on the field to gain an advantage over the other team, I think that's fair game. It's the same thing as having a guy on second base relay signs to the hitter. It's the exact same thing to me. And of course it is a little bit more egregious because we don't see it very often. It's not conventional when it comes to baseball and it's a very rare thing to see this happen. I don't think we've ever seen it happen. That's why it's kind of, you know, a novelty event and why we're so excited watching it and getting so upset about it. But it happened on the baseball field. Like Kevin Kiermeyer says, as much as I got to be honest, I don't like him after this instance. And I already didn't like him a whole lot because of um, a play that he made where he cut in front of the left fielder, I think, to catch a ball and make the relay throw. Anyways, um, that's not important in this situation. But I agree with Kevin Kiermeyer that, you know what, it's September baseball. Anything on the field is fair game. They're not playing dirty. They're just picking up the clues where they can get it. If you see a, a pitcher uh, tipping pitches, you're going to relay that to your hitter. You're going to tell the hitter, look, this is what he's doing. This is his tell. This is what you got to pay attention to, to know what pitch is coming. I think it's the same thing. It's an opportunity that presented itself entirely fairly to the race and they were right to take it. Now, when it comes to the situation of the Blue Jays asking for it back, I think this is where I agree with you, Brayson, that it's a scumbag move by the race. The Blue Jays sent a bat boy over to the Rays dugout and asked for it back. They knew it was missing. They knew the Rays had it. They're saying, okay, come on, like party's over, fess up, give us back our information that's rightfully belonged to us. And honestly, like, I don't understand why the Rays didn't give it back. There's no point to not give it back. You already have the information. Like, they can't take away the memories of you looking at the paper. You already know what the paper says. Just give the paper back. But the Rays scoffing at the Blue Jays, kind of laughing at them. To me, that's where I draw the line. To me, I think that's unprofessional. You have two guys in opposing dugouts with Kevin Cash and Charlie Montoya who worked together for years on end. They were in the same organization. They're friends off the field. Just level with us, right? Give us the paper back, and it's as simple as that. And that's where I draw the line. That's where I take issue with what the Rays did. And um, I know people, some people commentating after the fact, and especially after today's game, um, I think it was um, uh, uh, the the reporters escaping me, but there was a, a national reporter who said, um, look, the way to handle this is not hitting someone with a pitch. It's to, you know, go over to the other side during batting practice, have a conversation about it, get the paper back. And they did do that. That's the problem with me. The, the Blue Jays did try to do that and it didn't work. So I know I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but I have a problem with how the Rays handled it after the fact. I don't have a problem with Kevin Kiermaier picking up that piece of paper. And for Kevin Kiermaier to pretend he didn't know what it was, that's BS. He knew exactly what that piece of paper was. He sat there and looked at it for two seconds, looking at what it was, picked it up, walked towards his dugout, was looking around to make sure no one saw him do it. He knew exactly what that piece of paper was. And to have him come out to the media and say, 
Oh, I thought it was my outfield alignment paper. I was confused. I thought it might have been mine. No, that's BS. Again, just level with us. We're not stupid. Level with us. You took the piece of paper. That's fine. In my opinion, it's fair game. It's on the field. The Blue Jays made a mistake by having Alejandro Kirk get loose of that paper. But just level with us. You know, make it clear that you did this. If you think it's a mistake, admit to making a mistake. But just level with us. Give us back the paper. Be honest about it. That's where I stand on that part. That's the part I disagree with out of all of this. See, I I agree with you. I like I understand why the Rays wouldn't give it to give it back. I think that's extremely petty. I mean, as you mentioned, it like I'm pretty sure I know there's iPads and whatnot in the dugout, but I highly doubt that they could take a picture of anything or whatever. And especially with all the the scandals a couple of years ago, I'm sure the technology is highly monitored. So at that point, like it's not as if you can do much other than maybe copy the paper. But especially for the Blue Jays. Maybe they have a copy of it. Uh, I don't know. But point is, is if they want this back, you should give it to them. It's kind of a really dumb thing to just say, haha, no. And especially for that bat boy. He's probably thinking, what the heck is going on over here? Like, why <laughs> why am I being sent over to the other dugout? And now these guys are laughing at me. I, he, I'm sure <laughs> he probably didn't know what was going on. The bat boy is probably focusing on, on his duties. But it's just, it's one of those situations where, again, if I was a Blue Jay fan... I would probably think this is the funniest thing in the world that my that another team's uh, information was leaked and the, the one of the players took it. But at some point, just you know, just give it. Like you got to see these guys a lot of times. I think they're done after this year, maybe in the playoffs. But this is a team that you're going to see a lot. It's not like the Rangers where you you want to punch Bautista and then you're done playing for the rest of the season. Like no, you're going to see these guys a lot. And as you mentioned with Montoyo, he and Kevin Cash work together. Why are you just starting unnecessary beef? And, and it was mentioned on Blue Jay Central that one of the Red Sox, I think he's their, not their GM, but one of their like presidents or a higher up, worked with both Montoyo and Cash. And he put them in a group chat and he basically said, guys, enough of this. Just meet up and and just basically finish this. And we saw a picture of them or a video in batting practice where they both discussed it and that's, I think, where it's, you can still be mad about it, but at some point, you don't need to send a message necessarily after the fact that you've already made up for it, especially when it is your manager, and they both said to each other, okay, you know, we're done, but, you know, it's I, it's it's a weird thing, because I, I, I don't blame them taking it, but at the same time, I do also not agree with the whole getting angry after the fact and whatnot it's just, it's really i think it just depends on whose team you like like if you're a blue jay fan you're still mad i think and it's and justifiably so but if you're a Rays fan or if you're really anybody else you're probably saying hey what you know what's the problem here you, the, it was taken and we don't have to give it back but i think that's just more of a a difference of opinion but in terms of me i it's one at some point you got to give it up and just give the paper back and you're probably going to see guys get angry which we did and it's just it's such a weird way i think to end the blue jays versus rays and kind of put a damper uh on on really the end of the the season series for them i hope it's not the end of them i mean obviously you want the jays to win but either way when you look past the wildcard game that's who you're going to be playing so in that way um, you know, I do hope it's not the end, but I don't know if you want to like introduce the next phase here, Mark, because I know Jacob got kind of close to, you know, again, going further ahead. So I'm not sure um, if I'm going to say anything else before you 
move this to the next stage. I don't well, want to, you know, you can, uh, you can move it. Well, on. no, no, you go ahead because I want to hear that. And then I will go. Okay. Well, I already mentioned it, but as we all know what happened in today's game on Wednesday, the blue Jays down seven, one in the eighth, Ryan Brucky hits Kevin Kiermaier, whether it's intentional or not. Yeah. Let's start there. Was the pitch intentional or not? Do you think Ryan Brucky intentionally hit Kevin Kiermaier in the back? Of course. Of course he did. And everyone knows that. And here's the thing, too. Um, Second of all, I was pretty shocked that the Jays did decide to retaliate just because we know that Charlie Montoyo, it just doesn't seem like that's his character. Well, yeah, I I disagree with you there. I don't think it was a decision by the Blue Jays. I think it was either Ryan Brucky making that decision by himself or a you know, a player decision. I don't think Charlie Montoyo had anything to do See, with it. See, I think I think that was decided in the dugout. I for sure think so. And I think if it was John Gibbons, I think obviously that would have happened for sure. But yeah, no, I personally think that was a he was told to do it, or if it was Danny Jansen signaling him, something um I think told Ryan Barucki to do it, obviously. I, there, there's no way, he, in my opinion, he decided to do that. And now where the thing gets very interesting between all of us is, you know, I don't just, I, I agree, or I think the Jays handle it fine. I have, well, I have no well, problem. Let, let's hear whether Jacob thinks it's intentional or not first. Okay, okay. It was 100% intentional. You okay. D- it looked like the Conor McGregor throw. Like, it was obviously going in that direction, it was not it was a, intentional. Yes, it was. And it's straight in the back. Like it's if you want to say you hit him in the foot or whatever, worst case the head, then you can argue that maybe it slipped away, but to hit a guy f- straight in the back, that's it, it was it, I'm not going to say whether I agree with it or not other than, or not yet at least, but it was 100,000% intentional. All right. And now Bryson, do you agree with it or not? Yes, I agree with it. And again, okay. I was shocked it happened. But when I look back on it and at the heat of the moment, uh, I was happy with it. Uh, I thought, you know, in this game and professional sports and everything like that, I think there are repercussions to stuff that happened that are kind of, you know, things that you don't see every day. And things where anything in terms of sign stealing or just any att- attempting to take a competitive advantage or anything like that, uh, there's repercussions. And I'm, I'm glad the Jays did it. I think, and here's the other thing too, is a lot of people were mad about the timing of it and how it happened when they were being blown out or if it was their last step out of the game. I personally have no problem with what the Jays did. I don't think they were obligated to, you know, do it right away. Like a lot of people were saying, why don't you get this done with the next step out of the day or whatever like that. I don't understand why the Jays were obligated to do that. I thought it was up to them when they wanted to do it, if they wanted to do it, when they wanted to do it, or where they wanted to do it. They could have waited until next year. They could have done it right away, like I mentioned now. They decided to do it in a game that they knew they weren't going to win, and that is why I had no problem with it. And if people want to call that weak, uh, I look at it from a, a domino effect. I look at it right from the top. What did Kevin Kiermaier do to start this entire thing? And what was and that was probably the weakest thing in my opinion. So, he he took the card. I think that was weak. And if people want to call the Jays decision weak again, I look right from the top. And that's just my logic. I know this is a thing where there's personal opinion for all of us. I know I know a lot of people have different opinions, and that's why I mentioned it right off the top. In my opinion, that's where I look at it from. And if Kevin Kiermaier didn't expect anything to happen, then I think he's crazy because I thought the Jays did a good job in kind of just sending a message back. 
because the Rays fired the first shot, in my opinion. They took the card. We all we just discussed that. And I think the Jays didn't do anything else to instigate it. I thought they leveled it off, and I thought they were even. And I know, and I wasn't expecting the Rays to further retaliate. I thought it was one and done uh, from the Jays' side, and Kevin Kiermaier was upset. I'm not sure why, because, again, I don't know why he wasn't expecting something to happen. The part where it does kind of confuse me a bit was the part that we were mentioning a few minutes ago where Charlie Montoyo was, or Kevin Cash, they were kind of figuring things out. So, Or it looked like they did at least, and it looked like they moved by it. So the question I do have is kind of, was this a decision that happened, uh, or when was this decision made, and who was kind of the person to start it? Because there's a lot of, it just, for me, there's a lot of confusing points to the buildup of it, of what happened in between him taking the card and uh, Ryan Barucki throwing at uh, Kevin Kiermaier. There's a lot of kind of plot holes, as people like to call it, in between that I, I'm still confused about um, to kind of how everything kind of formed. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of people agree with my opinion. I know a lot of people would maybe agree with what I think you guys agree with in terms of, you know, this wasn't a good decision on the Jays. But if I'm the manager too, or if it goes for anybody, if I'm a baseball fan and I'm watching, uh, for instance, the Nationals and Marlins play, and I see the exact same thing and hear the buildup, I would probably support the team that's retaliating as well. I don't, you know, I just, I feel like um, the race crossed a, a line or kind of an unwritten rule. You know, I don't want to sound like Tony LaRusa here, but I just feel like anything with sign stealing or attempting to gain a competitive advantage throughout that topic. Um, I think you have to answer for it. And I thought they got it over with. They hit him right in the center of the back. That's the place, Mark, you mentioned off the top. That's the place where you go when you're you're kind of throwing intentionally. It was completely intentional. And uh, I know Ryan Barucki missed high and inside is what he told the um, media after the game. But it's okay because Kevin Kiermaier didn't know what was on or what was at home plate when he picked it up the day of. So I, in my opinion, that cancels out. Uh, I don't blame the Jays whatsoever. And I'm not mad at them whatsoever either. See, it's... Part of me agrees with you. Like, I do think that the unwritten rules shouldn't be crossed. And, like, look, you want to bring back, you know, I mentioned the Odour incident a couple of years ago. Rangers were clearly not happy about the bat flip. And so, for some odd reason, Odour thought that they were playing WWE. Point is, they were, you know, they were trying to get back at him. I understand that. I understand it if you're the Blue Jays. But the thing is, is, is as you alluded to, who was the one that decided this? Because... If both your managers talk about this and they give the card back, what are you like? What are you? Are you trying to just retaliate for the fact that the card that the card was stolen? Even though, like, if you have it back, does that not necessarily change the, the fact that you're angry about it, or kind of how does that go? But if you're Ryan Brucky, I think you can easily anticipate a suspension. Like, no matter if it was him saying to or it was his decision to throw or if it was Danny Jansen and I saw him go straight up to Kevin Kiermaier after the pitch was thrown and who knows maybe that's just what he always does maybe you know, there was whatever the umpire was clearly trying to break something up between the two but it I'm not saying that he wasn't in charge of it but the the point is I don't know who was in charge of it or who was behind it I have theories I don't know if I should mention it just based off of who ran onto the field immediately after but if you're Ryan Brucky, I do think that as the person who threw the pitch, he will be suspended, and that kind of will hurt the Blue Jays. Now, you, you went through so many relievers today. What happens in that series against the Twins, a four-game series, and you're at the point now where if the Yankees, who I don't know if their score is updated yet, I think it was 3-2 to two as of a couple minutes ago, but if they... three, Okay, so as of right now, the Yankees are losing, but 
Blue Jays could be out of a playoff spot as of tomorrow, and they need to win every game and have everybody available. That's the only thing that I'm thinking. Now, does a Barucki injury or uh, suspension overly hurt them? Probably not. Maybe he misses, if it's, say it's a three, four game suspension, similar to Ryan Tapera earlier on in the year, maybe he misses an outing or two. Maybe that doesn't overly hurt the team, but... You know, I think at at some point, the focus should be the Rays wanted to win this game to clinch a playoff spot, but if you're the Blue Jays, you're still in the hunt, and there's no guarantee, and I think to just to focus on anything other than winning, even though you're losing this game, I think the focus still should be, we gotta win, we gotta, we gotta get the rest of the season over with, but where I'm conflicted, I, I, like, it, it's such a conflicting thing, because, like, I do agree, like, you know, you want to be petty and take the the card and be like oh I, I didn't know then I agree with wanting to get angry at them but I feel like at this point it should just be we're gonna play we're gonna and I think it was at the bottom of the eighth inning we're gonna play an inning and a half now or less than less than two innings we're gonna get this over with and we'll see because it's just it it's one of those things where you, you just wonder why it's clearly intentional but you wonder why it was intentional especially considering that it was seemingly resolved from the managers, but made it very interesting. If there is a potential division series, the I, I know for a fact the potentially 35,000 people will be booing uh, Kevin Kiermaier's name. That'll be very, very entertaining to hear. And the funny thing is, is I said this to you guys, and I know th- this is a pretty dumb argument. It's not even really an argument, but it's just a petty thing to say, but... Kevin Kiermaier is doing a lot of work to barely hit in the major leagues. And now he's, you know, he's angry that the teams are retaliating. Not really much substance to that. Just kind of funny that I thought, but you know, it's in terms of how this is going to translate. I think this might actually translate into whenever the two teams play each other in this, if you thought it was over after the managers talked to each other and this happened, I mean, who knows what'll, what'll happen in the, potential division series or potential ne- or guaranteed next series in in 2022 i think it's over i don't think there's anything to come after this even if they play in the postseason like you know charlie montoyo said and it turned out to not be true but it's agua un- under the bridge like it's a, the blue jays got back at the rays the rays did something that they took offense to i think it's it's over i i think that's it um and i think that you know, as much as it may have devolved in this series to throwing words back and forth and throwing baseballs back and forth, I think both these teams and both these managers are mature enough to realize that, look, it's under the bridge. It's done now. We're over with it. Let's move on. But that's kind of the main question I have. And Bryson and Jacob, you both referred to it as who asked for this to happen. And that's why I think it didn't come from Charlie Montoyo. I can't see Charlie Montoyo telling his pitcher to hit a hitter from everything we know about who Charlie Montoyo is and who he shows himself to be to the media. That is the exact antithesis of what he is. That's the exact opposite of what he is. So I can't see Charlie Montoyo doing it. And that's why I think, you know, Jacob, maybe this is a guy you were alluring, uh, alluding to, but Pete Walker, maybe it was a Pete Walker thing. We saw how angry Pete Walker it was, but again, like I said, I don't think that was, Pete Walker being upset at the hit by pitch and Barucky being tossed. I think that was Pete Walker, you know, clearing his head and getting his thoughts out on the strike zone all series. Um, 
But I can't see Charlie Montoya doing it. Honestly, I don't think it was P. Walker. I think it was the players saying, look, we're not happy about this. Maybe it was Ryan Barucki and Jordan Romano and Tim Mesa and all these guys sitting in the bullpen saying, look, we're pissed off about this. This is not okay. You're going to drive our uh, season numbers way up through the roof just because you stole this piece of paper that you claim was yours but obviously wasn't. Like, I think it's that type of thing. I think it was Ryan Brucky saying, look, I'm going to take one for the team. Charlie Montoyo doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to throw a pitch at this guy because um, he deserves it, in my opinion. But overall, I think, like, personally, he, you should never be throwing at a hitter. Um, I know you can get mad at people and all that stuff, but I think it's just stupid. Um, and it reflects poorly on the Blue Jays to do this on, A, a national stage because everyone was paying attention after the first card gate thing. B, um, against a team that they are, as much as you know they're fighting against each other, they are kind of friendly teams. They have the links between Charlie Montoyo and Kevin Cash. I think it's stupid and it reflects badly on the Blue Jays to do this. Um, and again, I don't think it was Charlie Montoyo. I can't see him making that decision. If it was a player or somebody other than Montoyo, I just I feel like it would have been anyone other than Barucki because I think they were talking about after the game as well. But and um, Barucki and seems and... like the perfect guy to do it. For someone who's barely on the major league team hanging by a thread, I see it very hard to believe him coming up with it. Now, if it was, I can see maybe it coming from a catcher or like you mentioned, Pete Walker, and I think he kind of went along with it. I'm not saying it, he was like rebelling it or anything like, the, or like that or he was forced to do it. I'm just, I don't think the initial thought came from him. I think he was signaled in some sort of way and he decided to go uh, go through with it. And then, you know, we all know there, there was some bickering, too, when the bench was clear. We know Alec Manoa was yelling at um, the Rays side. We know that Danny Jansen kind of trolled them after by dropping um, his wristband on <laughs> at home plate, which I thought was pretty funny. So if it was a player for what you guys think, or if it was you, Mark, it would, I think anyone except for Barucki, his idea was it. I know he did it, but I'm saying he was signaled in some sort of way. And I could understand if it was someone like Pete Walker. I mean, Pete Walker was uh, tossed today, but of course, a lot of his anger was kind of, I think, boiling over throughout the entire series. We saw Ron Culpa and Joe West's strike zone throughout the first two uh, days that we haven't even gotten into yet. If we even have time, we'll get into it or not. But to say (laughs) the least or to summarize it, it was ridiculous. I mean, we saw the scouting reports or just the, the umpiring reports after the game that came along with it. We saw the strike zone pretty much widening all games in terms of game one and two, and you didn't really have a sense of what was the strike zone. So... A part of me believes that, or he was obviously fed up with that when he was ejected, you know, kind of just lashing out or just something that was boiling over through him throughout the entire series. So that's what I, you know, I can take away from it as well. But, and if it was someone on the staff, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they did it without Charlie Montoyo knowing or having any sort of intention. A part of me still thinks Montoyo could have been responsible in a, in a, a certain, maybe a small percentage of me, because again, it's very uncharacteristic like of him and you you figure it if he was to do it uh, if he was to do it the Rays would be the last team he would do it against uh, based off of his past with the team or not so there's just a lot of missing details in between Kevin Kiermaier picking up the card and Ryan Barucki throwing at Kevin Kiermaier that I don't think we'll ever get an answer on but you know either way that's the other thing too about this is that we all kind of have different opinions on it and this is without any facts or not it's just kind of personal opinion of how you would handle a situation. And um, that's why for me alone, and I know it's pretty divided throughout the fan base, or at least it's pretty, you know, it's just a, a big debate going around right now is I have no problem with it. So, um, but in, in terms of what you said right away, Mark, too, I think this is over now. I do think so. I think the Jays 
threw at uh, Kevin Kiermaier, and I think it was a way to kind of signal that, you know, from their perspective, the sides are have evened it out, and now they're willing to move on. And I think that's also a sense of why the Rays didn't retaliate in the next inning. Because, again, it was a 7-1 game. You could have easily thrown at George Springer. I mean, he was due up. He was leading off or... You know, he was leading off in the game, and I think he was due up at some point in the ninth inning. He was up with two strikes left, yeah. So, you know, you had the opportunity to do it. They decided not to, and I completely agree. If they ever meet up in the playoffs um, in the next couple of weeks or if they play next year, I think this is going to be forgotten about pretty fast, in my opinion. Yeah, and the one final word I'll say on this is another reason I don't like it is because it does hurt the Blue Jays competitively. Like, however small of an impact it is, it does hurt them. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned Ryan Brucky is going to get suspended. I would guess it's two to three games for hitting Kim Kiermaier. Charlie Montoyo is going to get an automatic one-game suspension because of a pitcher being suspended for throwing at a hitter. It's possible Pete Walker also gets some sort of suspension. I doubt it, but it's possible. So you have these ramifications from today. It's not over. It does impact the team down the line and that's frustrating and then you have Nate Pearson coming in and maybe that means Nate Pearson doesn't pitch tomorrow or you know there's all these ramifications that the margin is so so thin for the Blue Jays to make the postseason a lot of stuff has to go right and a lot of stuff has already gone right but you don't want to mess with that mojo and you don't want to insert things by yourself under your own power that could screw things up so it's another reason I disagree with it um one of the reasons down the list on the list of things that um, are going on here, but definitely a fun conversation. Um, let's talk about baseball. <laughs> there was a whole series that went on. We played what uh, 27 innings of baseball over three days, and we haven't talked about any of them yet. Um, like I said earlier, they take one out of three. They took two out of three in the earlier series. I'm fine with that. You go three and three, and then you beat up on the teams in between. And hopefully they're going to do that over the next few weeks, week and a half, two weeks against the uh, excuse me, the Twins, the Yankees, and the Orioles. And um, I think a concern from this series, if you're going to take anything, is the hitting. The hitting never really clicked. In the game they won, they scored four runs. They didn't really score at all today. They scored one. So I think that's the one concern, if you have any from this series. Um, and honestly, I'm not too worried about that. You're you're facing the Rays, who are notoriously good against the Blue Jays, and just notoriously difficult to hit against in general, especially in today's game when you have guy after guy uh, coming out of the bullpen with different arm angles and different velocity and funky new pitches. Um, you know, we know who the Rays are, and they if there was any, any time in history, if there was an exact picture of who they are, it was in today's game. Just guy after guy who can dominate the opposing team with different arm angles, different velocity, stuff like that. So, if there's anything to be concerned about, I would say it is the offense. But honestly, I'm not freaking out after this series. I'm pretty calm. The Blue Jays probably have to go six and four or seven and three over the next ten games to make the postseason. But that's totally doable against Minnesota and Baltimore. It's okay. Offense is going to come back. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I mean, also Tropicana Field. It's you know nobody calls it the House of Horrors for nothing. It's it's not a place that the Blue Jays are usually good on uh, good in. And I mean, against the Rays this year, eight and eleven, so not not a great record. But again, the Rays are a good team, and a lot of those losses, I think four of them came in that sweep, or however many that sweep was back in May. So, point is, is you know, the Blue Jays are gonna have those those rough series, and this is their first series loss in eight series. So, you know, if you look at the big picture, this has still been a fantastic month for them, but. 
if I'm looking at this series, I don't like what I saw in game two. Now, I know that's the game they won, but here's the thing. There was 11 walks in that game, and it easily could have been very, very different. And six of those, or actually eight of those, excuse me, was charged to uh, Alec Manoa. Part of it, you can argue that the strike zone was extremely favorable for the Rays. You look at, especially in Robbie Ray's start, pretty much all three games, there were pitches that were called strikes for the Blue Jays, and then in the next inning, or uh, Blue Jay hitters, and then in the next inning, a pitcher would throw a pitch, and I said, okay, that's a strike. They was called a strike last inning, and then the umpire wouldn't call a strike, and I think, uh, like, what, so what is it, a strike only in the top of the inning for some reason now? I, like, I don't understand this, but that, I think, will work itself out. I mean, you can't rely on umpires giving you favorable calls. You still got to make those pitches. I think the Blue Jays can do it, and Tampa Bay's a good team. They will take their walks, and a lot of them were on 3-2 pitches or 3-2 uh, counts to, with Manoa, so he was battling, and it's it's not really a huge concern. That, you know, hopefully he can rebound in that. It looks like maybe the series finale against the Rays, but another thing that is concerning to me, the pitching wasn't as a, much of a concern, but George Springer is still concerning to me. And I say concerning in the sense that he is not healthy. His lower body is not where it should be. He's been plagued by injuries. And so I, I understand that he's not going to be 100% right now, and he clearly isn't. But at some point, I think the Blue Jays need to ask themselves, do we sit him maybe a couple days give him because we talked about this last week do we do they sit him and give somebody else maybe a chance to lead off or maybe move him lower in the order because in this series he was 0 for 5 today 1 for 3 in the second game and then 1 for 4 in the first game so two hits uh he was hitless today as i mentioned but the one good thing i noticed is the first pitch of the game he he made some very good contact it unfortunately was just caught by tampa bay but if if you're looking at the fact that you need hits right now, you need wins right now. I think you might need to move Springer down until he is healthy or healthy to some degree because you mentioned the fact, uh, you know, they didn't win this series. They have a relatively easier series against the Twins. Orioles, again, so really that one big series that they have to finish that's going to be tough is that Yankee series, but still, you need to you need to win and you can't underestimate those other teams and if you're George Springer, I think it's it's tough because you, you don't want him to sit out. You don't want him to struggle. But if he's not at 100%, I think to some degree you got to consider moving him down in the order because you're at the point now where these games, call them easy against the Minnesota Twins, I don't think that they're going to be as easy as, as people expect. It's September, and a lot of guys want to play spoiler, and it's it'll... It's it's going to be a lot harder if you're not getting the production out of out of guys that you want. But other than that, I think this series is you know it's just a, a little blip in the road. Hopefully the Blue Jays are able to still you know qualify. I think their chances maybe around seventy or just a little bit below that. I think it was like seventy two after the win yesterday. So it's probably gone down a little bit, but. All we can hope for is that there's a good ending to the season. Pitching's able to rebound. Whatever time Brookie misses is it'll pass. Maybe he comes back towards the end of that twin series. But now I think if you're the Blue Jays, you're at a point where sweep this one under the rug and you desperately, desperately, desperately need to win probably three of these next four games against the Twins if you want to have a shot. Because of that Yankee series, you really got to set yourself up to be at least 
if you if you want the best case scenario for yourself, you got to be a game and a half up, I think, of the Yankees, or else it's going to be really tough to to uh, qualify. So just kind of sweep this one under the rug, move on. At the end of the day, that's all you can do. The game is over. There's a game tomorrow at uh, 7.40. Just look forward to that, and hopefully Steven Matz can uh, open the series against Michael Pineda and give the Blue Jays a good chance at winning. Yeah, when it comes to Springer, I know we had this uh, conversation a few days ago. I, I disagree because I still think he should be leading off, and I do think he's getting better. Uh, first of all, the first sign I think I got today, which was good news for all of us, is you know that he's wearing again the high socks, which means obviously he looks a lot better with the high socks as a player. Second of all, that means the knee brace is off. Today was the first day he used or he played without the knee brace since the incident or since he returned from uh, the injured list uh, from the incident back in Seattle. So that's the one thing I take away from. The second thing I take away from is not to this game, but the night or last night, I think he had a line drive uh, over 105 miles per hour, which was the hardest uh, hit ball since September 4th against Oakland. The next day, which was today to lead off today's game, he had pretty much the same thing or a similar situation. I think today was 104.6 miles per hour line drive to start the game. I think George Springer is figuring it out still. He obviously, there's a lot of things wrong in terms of his timing right now. And yes, I do blame the injuries. I think we all do with in terms of that. We've talked about pretty much the lack of power that he's had. But I think it's something that over the course of the next few days, if all goes well, because I think him ditching the knee brace was a good first step. I think if he gets rid of that, and eventually he finds his timing, because he will, and we know that he has before, and you just hope it comes sooner rather than later, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think there's a solution for him going down in the order, and I think they were talking about it today on the broadcast, is somebody asked Charlie Montoyo about that, and Montoyo said he needs as many at-bats as possible to get going again, and that's why I think if he's in this lineup, and I don't think he's going to be sitting anymore, because as the looks of it, if the Yankees win tonight, because they just tied the game when we're recording, they're going to be, I think, just past the Jays or tied with the Jays. The Jays are in this to the end. They're going right down to the wire. They need they need him playing. And we've talked about it in 80%. George Springer is better than nothing without George Springer. I think the only thing that we lack of it is the bottom of the order because of him holding on that DH spot. I don't know about you guys, but I have a serious issue with Jake Lamb batting seventh in this lineup. But unfortunately, due to the fact that he's locked onto that DH role, you really don't have an option right now. And we all know that if he's playing center field, uh, easily Alejandro Kirk could DH or somebody else like that to make the lineup a little bit deeper. But we're not there right now. And um, hopefully within the next week, we can get there. And I think they're actually bringing up the the slim chance today uh, in terms of some point during this twin series that he actually could return to center field. And that would be pretty cool to see. But I'm not sure um, how much we're going to think about that. And yeah, I mean, going back to game one or when the Jays lost 6-4 when Robbie Ray pitched, obviously Robbie Ray, um, if you want to talk about him there, maybe a little bit of a, a speed bump or a little bit of a, I'm not going to call it a roadblock, but a speed bump in that Cy Young race. I know he didn't, he wasn't relatively sharp and um, I think he didn't even get to five innings. So, you know, the offense there, and I think Mark, you summed it up, you know, I don't want to get in too much detail with the offense. I just think they weren't all clicking at the same time this series like we've been used to seeing throughout the month of September. So that's the problem, pretty much what I take out of it. And of course, that second game that Jacob, you were mentioning, yes, it was a little bit of a concern for me as well with Alec Manoa. I think he had a, a lot of trouble finding the strike zone throughout the game. But, you know, to me, I take apart, or the thing I take apart from it was a typical rookie start from someone like Alec Manoa, who was battling throughout the game with himself, with the strike zone, with the bad umpiring by, um, by Joe West. And, um, you know, he managed to find the strike zone and finish his outing strong. He did have a good finish to it. And, of course, we all had that kind of panic attack in the ninth inning when Jordan Romano suddenly lost the strike zone with two outs. However, 
I do want to say there was that one pitch, I think it was a slider, where it caught pretty much almost the middle of the plate, not even. It didn't even hit the corners um, from the strike zone that was called a ball. And ever since that pitch, it seemed like that's when Romano lost the strike zone. And it just, you know, it just fell apart and fell apart. He walked the bases loaded. And then in the crucial situation, the most clutch time possible, he regains the strike zone and gets the Jays that much-needed win. And obviously, when you look back on it now, it was an important win because they would have gotten swept if they didn't take that game yesterday. And today, I mean, as, as much as what we already discussed, going into today's game, I didn't have a good feeling about it because of the fact that it was a bullpen game. I think that almost, in my opinion, um, pretty much was going to seem like a disaster. Um, and I, I think it was a disaster waiting to happen. And not just because I know you guys know I don't like the opener. I think the Jays really had no choice in this situation. I'm not blaming them for deciding to go with the bullpen game. I just think the matchup they had against them, uh, it didn't go well. And I didn't think it was going to go well from the start. I know Julian Merriweather kind of you know, had a long first inning, and that he only lasted one inning. Ross Stripling came in. And that's when things decided to blow up. And I know ever since he's been back through the injury list the second time, he just doesn't seem to have the stuff he once did before he got injured for that second time. So there was a lot going on today where I had a lot of problems going into the game. And maybe you kind of blame this somewhat a little bit just on the fact that Hunjin Ryu has gotten to this point where, you know, an $80 million pitcher needs a phantom I Elston at the end of the year. A part of me blames Ryu for this as much as he had no impact in the game today because this was his start. And if Hunjin Ryu wasn't pitching as bad as he was, he would have been in the li- or he would have been pitching today. And who knows what would have happened? But I'm sure it would have been a lot better than what we did today. And you were talking about it too—the potential repercussions of what what happens this weekend. The Jays went through a lot of people in that bullpen today, and they did. And I know Thomas Hatch was with the team just in case. I think it's almost a lock he's going to be on the roster as soon as tomorrow, and maybe we're going to have another addition if uh, Ryan Barucki does end up getting suspended. So I know throughout the year, I believe earlier in the year when Alec Manoa got suspended, he got suspended for five games, which was for a starter equivalent to one start. So I think, Mark, what you guessed was about two to three games. I think that's pretty acceptable throughout the entire weekend in terms of a possible suspension. So who knows what's going to happen this weekend? I think, um, you know, I think it's obviously a winnable series for the Jays again, but just that bullpen, I think, coming out of today's game is a little bit of a concern for me as well heading into this weekend. And of course, you have to think about the offense at the back of your mind after what you saw this series, and you just hope that they can regain fire uh, this weekend in Minnesota. Yeah, when it comes to George Springer, I think I've changed my tune. I agree with you now, Bryson. Um, the fact that he's taken his knee brace off, I think, indicates that he's healthy or at least almost entirely healthy and if he's healthy the hitting's going to come I'm totally confident in that it was just when he had the knee brace on it was clear he wasn't 100% he was probably 60 or 70% and you could just see him grimacing in the box that's when you think okay what's the point of having him out there he's not healthy he's never going to get his stroke back if he's not healthy and he just keeps re-injuring his knee what's the point of having him out there and just being automatic out at the top of the lineup but it changes when he is healthy and he's getting back on the field, which he might do in this series against Minnesota. A lot of people are expecting him to get some playing time in center field. It wasn't going to happen in this series, of course, because he did have that knee brace on and it was a Tropicana field on the artificial turf. But if they're heading to Minnesota, the weather's nice, there's no rain in the forecast. If that is the case, I expect him to, to, to see him in center field one of these games, if only to free up the lineup. Like you said, Jake Lamb at third base, I don't want to see that again. Like, uh, or batting seventh. I don't want to see that again. That's just, 
it's ridiculous to have that on a team that is, you know, in a wild card spot as we speak. They might be knocked out of it within the next hour. Um, and they're fighting for their life here. So you got to be rolling out your best guys. And if George Springer's healthy enough to to stay in the field, then go ahead, do it. But now that he is quasi healthy, close enough to healthy, yeah, I don't move him. He's gonna get his bat under him eventually. But it was when he you know, we weren't sure if he was healthy that I was concerned. Um, another thing to talk about before we wrap it up, it looks like the Blue Jays might be increasing their capacity at the Rogers Center from 15,000 fans to 35,000 fans ahead of the final homestand at the Rogers Center and then potentially a playoff run, certainly for the wildcard game if they get in there and it's hosted in Toronto, that would be at a larger capacity. Same thing for any subsequent ALDS, ALCS that happens potentially in Toronto. Um, it's exciting to see. You never, like, part of me, obviously, excited about the wildcard game. Like, that's thrilling. It's awesome that the Blue Jays might be getting into the wildcard game. And if 2016 is any indication, whether they win or lose, it's going to be the most exhilarating game of our lives. Um, and that's without fail for the Blue Jays. But it would have been very lame if they got in and it was hosted in Toronto and they still had 15,000 fans. You can say all you want about 15,000 fans, having like 50,000. And it does at times that place... You know, all three of us know from experience, it's rocking when the Blue Jays are winning in there. But 15,000 is just not the same as 50,000. And for the Blue Jays to bump it up, fill up some of the 500 level, you can still have the socially distanced seating capacity for people who aren't comfortable with that because you've got 10,000 empty seats to play with if you're working at 35K capacity. Um, you love to see it. Like, that's awesome. I cannot wait if it does happen. For the Blue Jays to play a wild card game there in front of a full crowd, almost full crowd, that environment is going to be insane. It's going to blow the roof off that place if it's closed. So I cannot wait for that to happen. And I'm eagerly awaiting the news that they're bumping it up to 35K. And also, tickets are going to be cheaper if there's more tickets. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I was going to say. If you got 15,000 tickets, Hopefully you guys uh, are willing to sell your your left arm for 100k just to be able to afford that because the those will be crazy and if I, I this is a different sport a different ownership the I remember the Leafs when they first made their playoffs uh, it was the first series against the Capitals maybe four or five years ago it was like ten thousand dollars for a decent seat for one ticket and I remember someone saying to me it, it would cost less to go to Washington buy gas, buy a hotel, buy tickets, and then come back than it was to go to Toronto and watch a game. But this is not 2017. This isn't the terrible Leafs. This is the Blue Jays who are looking to win as many games as they can. And you know what? I think that the 35,000 fans is probably, like, that's pretty good. I think that's pretty standard among most leagues or, or most teams. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, Fenway Park is around that too. Yeah, so Fenway is 37K, okay, I think. Mm, so you're going to get, you'll get the full experience to, to some degree. And even 15,000, you know, you talk about 15,000 sounding like 50. It surely does. Like it, I, I think uh, the mics are definitely turned down in stadium. And I think that happened in 2016 as well in the the series against Texas, because in the wildcard game, it was so loud. You couldn't even hear the announcers. And then game three against the Rangers, you couldn't hear anything. And it was pretty quiet, but it'll be fun. It'll be, you know, you, you talk about, all these guys like Ryu, Springer, Guerrero, all these guys, they want to play here in front of these fans. What a way, I think, to really be your first your first big experience with them. And for some of these guys, their first time in Toronto as a Blue Jay, 
that would be a lot of fun. And even for the fans, I think they made the playoffs last year, zero fans for anybody. So, I mean, or until the, the NLCS and the world series, but you make the playoffs your first, for a lot of these guys, your first full season, you make the playoffs, you host the wild card game or at some point in the division series, like it just, it would be a lot of fun. And, you know, we could probably talk about this all day. I, I would find that to be a very entertaining game to go to. I can't imagine the prices, but I think it'll be a lot of fun, and I'll tell you what, if the roof is open, I believe it was open the last wildcard game, it wasn't in the Texas series, yeah, I think it has something to do with the league saying it's too cold or whatever, like, there's some restrictions, all I can say is I'll probably hear that crowd, like, that'll be a lot of fun from my house, but all I can say, open that roof, 35k people, Robbie Ray versus Garrett Cole, or... Chris Sale, I don't know. Whoever it is, it could be a lot of fun. All they got to blue uh if you're a Blue Jays fan or if you're a Blue Jay, all you got to do win probably 6 to 7 of your next uh, 9 and uh, I think you're in. Yeah, I mean, the the funny thing I have with this is MLSC you were just mentioning it their uh, different ownership obviously. The Leafs begin the preseason Saturday and they still don't know the capacity at Scotiabank Arena even though I believe they are selling full-on tickets, like, it's going to be full. And, you know, if they're going to allow 20,000 people in there, I assume, I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to really happen or not, but I, going back to the Jays, I completely am assuming that they'd be allowed for 35,000 people. I mean, I just feel like, um, based on, yeah. Well, I was going to say, one thing you got to remember is the Rogers Center is considered an outdoor stadium, so maybe that could... Uh, factor into it yes and if either maybe yeah of course it does and obviously you can hold more people but what I'm all I'm trying to say is if they're going to give clearance for a high amount I'm assuming Rogers Center is going to get that clearance for the bump as well and we know that it's been allowed 15,000 this year we all know that and I just feel like in a wild card game you know as much as 15,000 would make it really loud in a wild card game it would take away some of the advantage that you have of home field and that's why 35,000 you know I personally think um they have the restrictions or just the rules in place or the guidelines to safely hold a sold-out stadium. However, 35000 I will take it and run away with it. I'm completely taking that because we know that that will be electric if it was 35,000 people. So, I mean, I hope the wildcard game's there or not. And just going back to what one of you said, um, when you look back on a wildcard game, if the results are good, if you want to look back at 2016, it was fun. However, during the heat of the moment, and I've, we've talked about this already, I, I, I don't have a very good time handling it because of the fact that it's a single game knockout. Um, it's just there's too many emotions for me. So I know that that's really the only way the Jays can get into the ALDS this season. So I am preparing myself mentally. However, um, you know, before I, I don't find it fun. I find it a complete nightmare. So, I mean, again, if the results are good, of course, it'll be fun. So there's a lot going on with that. And um, yeah, you hope that the capacity is bumped. And it's just going to be really cool to see more and more Jays fans pack that arena or pack that stadium and make it louder and louder because it's been loud as it is so far. So, um, you know, and that's even if the that's if the game's in Toronto at all. So even past the wildcard game, that's something that they might have to uh, figure out for capacity. So we'll see what happens with that. But absolutely looking forward to it. Hopefully we get good news of that. And again, hopefully the Jays have a good weekend, like you said, Jacob, and they can, um, you know, get themselves back into a, a safe playoff spot. Yeah, this is all a moot point if the Blue Jays don't host a wild card or don't get into it um, regardless. But 
the wild card is the most exhilarating and painful event that you can go through as a baseball fan. It is at the same time, so, so much fun to watch and be hinging on every pitch and also horribly nerve wracking and dangerous to watch. And Bryson, you know, firsthand, you saw the game in 2016 in person. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that. And then um, one thing to leave this podcast with, um, I mentioned it briefly in the last episode, um, our postseason schedule for podcasts. Um, you know, who who knows how much this matters if the Blue Jays don't get deep. But as of now, our plan is to do post-game recaps after every single game for the Blue Jays in the postseason if they make it there. So that's Wild Card, the ALDS, the ALCS, the World Series. However far they go, we'll be doing episodes after every single game, right after every single game. And we'll be recording them and getting them up in time for you to listen to in the morning. And then before every series or every in the case of the wild card one game playoff, uh, we will be doing a preview episode for those, and we will be ideally having guests on from podcasts of the opposing team, so we can learn a little bit more about them. So it'll be an exciting time. By the end of the month, we're probably going to be dead inside, um, but it'll be definitely fun to spend all that time talking about the Jays. Yeah, just quickly, it'll be the first time, or I guess the first time since we've started this that we've actually gotten this close. And what I w- was going to say is. Regardless of what happens, if they get in, if they don't get in, how far they get, keep that schedule because I know a lot, we've talked about this and a lot of people keep saying, this is the first of many to come. There's no expiry date in sight. So I'm just telling you right now, Mark, keep that on draft for the next few years as well, because we're, I feel like got a good feeling that it's going to be like this um, every year for the foreseeable future, which is so fun. For sure. It's going to be, if they make it all the way, it would be 25 podcasts in 32 days. So jacob's prediction <laughs> i'm just it could have i'm i, I don't know uh, we'll see zero words except for i don't know and i hope it, it could be fun they gotta make the wild card doing, first <laughs> well yeah we'll and they gotta see. win that too but all i'm saying is if there's a game seven in toronto perhaps we will be attending it and then going to the local uh food place or, or restaurant and just setting everything up and recording after that i don't because... know if i have the money for that <laughs> I don't know if eh, the money for that. Cards. Okay, let's end it there before it goes <laughs> off the rails. It's all right. You can um, help us out of McDonald's. <laughs> all right. Thank you to, for listening to this episode of Section 138. It was a fun one. We got to talk about a lot of drama and a lot of potential postseason baseball. And we are eagerly watching this next series against the Twins. Could be do or die for the Blue Jays. We will see. Until then, as always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section138pod. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at section138pod. Stay up to date with everything we're doing. You can uh, rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which helps spread the word about what we're doing. And then lastly, you can watch our episodes on YouTube, or if you are watching this episode on YouTube, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Big series against the Twins coming up and then the final week of the season. We're looking forward to it and we will catch you then. Wow.